But law came in with the result that trespass multiplied. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I take a lot of pride in my ability to communicate with people of different age groups at any, po- at any moment. On any given week, I will spend time explaining theology to five-year-olds in our preschool. I'll be with 15-year-olds in our youth group on Wednesday nights, 50-year-olds in our Bible study on Thursday, and then the rest of you on Sunday morning. It is definitely a challenge to take ideas from the likes of Paul and try to proclaim them in a way that can be appropriated and understood by the young and old alike here and now. But sometimes I fail. Like the time I tried to address the moral and ethical dilemmas of capital punishment to our youth group one Wednesday evening. Or to the times I've tried to proclaim the strange complexity of confronting our death on Ash Wednesday to our four-year-olds in the preschool. To the times I've told some of you, some of our much older adults, that you have to have the faith of a child to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Communicating the gospel, sharing the good news is a challenge. And I definitely failed when we were on our mission trip to West Virginia a couple summers back. Picture it if you can. It is hotter than blazes outside, and I'm stuck in this tiny kitchen surrounded by teenagers who'd rather be Instagramming and Snapchatting one another than cleaning a floor or painting a ceiling. And it was completely silent. So what did I do? I started asking questions. What's your favorite story from the Bible? One of our boys immediately said something about David defeating Goliath. The Davidic story of David and Goliath will always rest at the heart of prepubescent boys who struggle with how rapidly the girls are growing while they remain the same. A boy from another church said, well, I kind of liked the one, you know, about Jesus feeding people while saliva poured out of his mouth as he was staring at the cooler in the corner that was filled with our lunches. And a girl from a different church said, You know, I've always been rather captivated by Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding at Cana of Galilee. To which I made the mental note to bring this up with her youth leader later in the evening because no sensible teenage girl should be thinking about water turning into wine, particularly when Jesus has anything to do with it. We went on and on. Favorite story from the Bible. And then it was finally my turn. Well, I said, it's not my favorite story. I've always loved this little detail at the beginning of the Bible. It's in the the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve are placed in the Garden of Eden with a choice. They could choose to live in perfect harmony with God, with God's creation, with one another, free from sin and free from death. But Adam and Eve, they made the wrong choice. They wanted to be just like God. And as soon as they tasted the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, their eyes were opened and they knew they were naked. But here's the part that gets me every time. Almost as soon as they sin, while the fruit is still dripping on their lips, they heard the sound of God walking in the garden and they both sprinted for the bushes. 
And God called out, Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? And after waiting for just a few moments, Adam pops his little head out of the bushes. He says, God, I'm hiding because I'm naked. I'm afraid. To which God says, who told you you were naked? Isn't that hilarious? The kids all just stared at me while I was sharing the story silently, and they were looking at me with their eyebrows all askew. I could hear the paint dripping on the floor as if even the crickets were too worried about the sermon or the story to chirp. And one of the boys finally broke the awkward silence, and he said, Um, I don't think it's very funny. If I were naked and God came looking for me, you better believe I'd be running for the bushes too. Do we know this old, old story? Do we know what sin is? Do we know what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden? What kind of stories do we want to pass on to the coming generations? I feel like I am forever being bombarded with things like, in the good old days, we knew our Bibles. In the good old days, we would have gone to school with snow like this on the ground. In the good old days, we entertained ourselves with our imaginations, with kick the can, not with a screen in our pockets. Do we wish that things could go back to the way that they once were? Are we worried at all about the future that we are handing over to children? We can talk ad nauseum about what we want to pass on, what we hope to engender, but if we don't know our story, if we don't know where we came from, how in the world can we hope to take a step in the right direction of the future? Just as sin came into the world through one man. You see, Paul assumes that we know the story. He assumes that we know all the details of the Garden of Eden. He does not waste time in his letter rehashing the characters and the questions. He gets right to the point. Sin came into the world through Adam and Eve. They, and therefore we, broke the covenant with God. The transition from God's rule to the rule of sin and death came into the world because of our rebellious and disobedient desires. This is who we are. And there's no going back. Fear and shame and anger and disappointment are our lives. We, in a sense, are stuck in the bushes for good. We will always be hoping that God will not come looking for us. We are in the bushes. And Lent is a great time to ask the question, why? Which of the commandments have we broken? Did we work on the Sabbath last week? Have we hated our mothers and our fathers? Did we covet something that did not belong to us, an object, a job, or God forbid, another human being? How do you think you would respond if God caught you in the middle of your sin? If you're like me, if you're like that boy on the mission trip, if you're like Adam, you'd go running for the bushes too. Paul assumes that we know this story about Adam and the Eve in the garden because it is our story. Adam's sin is our sin. And it not only divided us from God, but it brought death into the world and it spread like a disease. This is Paul's point. 
If you were paying attention to Betty, you heard Paul say it no less than seven times in those nine verses. We are trapped in sin and death. We are stuck in the bushes. That's the story of Adam and Eve. So is that what we want our children to know? Truly, I tell you, we cannot know who we are to be if we do not know our story. This inexhaustible, unexplainable, indescribable moment from the beginning is who we are. It is the story of how order fell into disorder, but thanks be to God, it is not the end of the story. Adam brought humanity down, down to the depths of death and destruction. Jesus, however, is the one who is able to create a new humanity. The promise of a good and hopeful future comes from the old story that is forever new. It's the story of our death and then the death that freed us from sin and death. In Christ Jesus, our stories are made new. God, as the author of salvation, takes up the pen and starts a new chapter through the life and the death and the resurrection of his son. This is the story It's the story that those who are coming, the ones who will follow us, need to hear. It's the story we need to share. We need to pray for the courage to shout this story from the rooftops of our lives as if our lives depended on it, because they do. The only way to victory, the only way to upend what happened in the garden is through the cross. We might think of a different way, a more efficient way, a less taxing way, but the way of the cross is the way that Christ defeated death. But this is not an easy story to tell. The message of the cross comes with a cost. It's difficult, it's selfless, and frankly, it's really un-American. Today, we would rather surround the young with lessons that teach us very different values. Things like, get the right job. Earn as much money as you can, find the right spouse, buy the car, lose the weight, invest in the right companies, bring 2.5 children into the world, purchase the perfect house, and you will be free, and your lives will be perfect. That's the story we tell the children of today, and it's a lie. It's all a lie. None of these things can give us life. They cannot provide us with identity and purpose and hope, the things we so desire. The job will change, the money will disappear, the spouse will grow old, the body will too, the companies will falter, the car will rust, the children will not listen. Sin and death corrupt everything. But there is good news. There is a way out of the bondage that was brought into the world through the one we call Adam. We are freed through the one we call Christ. We might be stuck in the bushes of our sin and our shame, but Christ comes to us in the garden of our own demise without a question, but a call. Jesus doesn't say, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were sinning? Jesus says, follow me. Follow me to Galilee. Follow me to Gethsemane. Follow me to Calvary. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Sin has increased in this world and in our lives, but God's grace in Jesus Christ has abounded all the more. The story 
Our story, it began in a garden, but it did not end there. It continued through the strange and wild wilderness in the days of Abraham. It weaved through the journey to Egypt. It rose through the power of David and Solomon. It fell through the failure of God's people worshiping idols. It danced through the prophets who remained faithful to the Lord and endured through things like droughts and famines. It saw suffering, its sadness. It connected the lives of the powerful with the powerless. It brought down the high and lifted up the low. It was born again in a manger in a small town called Bethlehem. It trudged through the towns of Galilee and it sailed over the sea. It walked through the streets of Jerusalem and turned over the tables in the temple. It was dragged before a council in the ruling elite. It was marched up a hill and nailed to a cross. It was silent for three days in a tomb. And then it broke free from the sin and from the death that has plagued us since the beginning. That is the story. It's a story worth telling over and over again because in this story, we discover who we are and whose we are. In this story, we see ourselves stuck in the bushes being beckoned by Jesus to follow him. In it, we realize that it is not just a story. It's not even our story. It is the story. I offer this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.